With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat. Welcome to the most must listen to Scottish wrestling podcast. Welcome to Suplex Retweet. <laughs> okay, a bit more enthusiasm would have been great, but hey, we'll work with it. Yeah, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. My name's David Hockney. I came to play. There's a price to pay, and I'm your host today. And if you haven't figured it out already, today we're talking about the most must see WWE superstar in history. We're talking about The Miz. Messer up. <laughs> Not Messer up. The Miz. Okay. Uh, but before we get into that, we that housekeeping, so make sure you're subscribed to the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Suplex Retweet. We also have our community page where you can engage with our panel and other listeners of the show. And be sure to check out suplexretweet.com for all the articles, interviews, and everything else in between that we do here on the show. And now there is another thing we want to plug as well. Um, if you want to listen to the Miz interview we carried out, uh, that Stevie carried out, uh, be sure to check that out in the back catalogue as well before listening to the show. So now that that's taken care of, let's introduce my panel of Misfits. So <laughs> up first, if this man ever thinks he's going to host a show dedicated to Viscera or abs like Finn Balor, then he needs a reality check. It is Gary Kernan. <laughs> Gary, how are you? Thank you, Dave. And the chip magnet is here. <laughs> oh, uh, debatable. <laughs> anyway, um, you say you say as a single man to the married man. <laughs> All right. Well, no introduction yet, but yeah, you ready for this? Fucking wait. All right. Uh, up next, much like King Corbin, this man also breaks every throne he sits on. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bigger flop than the Marine Home Front and Santa Little Helper combined. It's Ross McLeod. Oh, yes, Dave. Yes. Well done. Yes. Well done. Yeah. I would say on the first point, Alan did break a chair when we were filming. Uh, David Campbell's film, so that button has been passed to someone else. It was your witchcraft that did it. It was. <laughs> your presence. Sheer, sheer willpower, like someone else's chair will break. <laughs> and finally, we wouldn't have Suplex Retweet without our awesome MVEP. And just like the Miz this man's also used to following a charismatic leader who wins multiple championships at once. It is Kwaku Aji. Who, who do I follow? Uh, well, figure it out. It's a... Uh, Football reference. Oh, fair enough. I, I thought you were mean Stephen Wilson for I a minute. Know, I was like, like he is not charismatic <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. No, no, no. That's uh, that's corruption. You're thinking of. 
Oh, my, my favourite comment on Stephen's parlour was Scott, when Scott said to me, watch that watch along party at Stephen's, you need to get new parlour. And Stephen went, it's in the kitchen on the top shelf. And Scott quicks a flash went, you clearly can't reach it then. <laughs> can I just say, that was actually what I was meaning in my question. So Gary, can I hire you as my official spokesman? Because that was actually really on point. Thank you. As we were, were, yeah. So uh, today we're talking about The Miz. Um, We're going to look at the highs and lows of his career and some of his more outstanding moments and where we expect him to go uh, from 2019 onwards. So we're going to start things off with uh, when we first saw him on our screens, his early days, uh, when he started out as a tough enough 2004 competitor, he made it to the finals. Um, But then we wouldn't see him on our screens again until he became the Diva Search host in 2006. Uh, Ross, I'm going to start with you. would it be fair to say that even though he sort of stick around in the WWE as a sort of host hosting type role, it didn't really get off to a, a great start for him, did it? No, he was just annoying. He, he was just like JBL says now. What like JBL obviously gets a lot of stick for kicking him out of the locker room. He says now he's proved me wrong. But when he first came in, his opinion and opinion of a lot of the fans was he was a reality TV star. His reality TV days were over. He was trying to cling on to the last bit of stardom he had. And it just, it, it was a waste of his talents. He is a good host and a good representative of the company, but th- at that time it was just a, a Ryan Seacrest ripoff. <laughs> uh, Gary, do you remember seeing The Miz in, <clears throat> in the Tough Enough competition and how he made that transition from reality TV? Like, how do you think he, he did? It was interesting when you look, look in preparation for today, looking back at some of the, the stuff The Miz did before he arrived at WWE, because in the real world he was. I, I think he was laying the foundations for something that mm-hmm. came. Either that or he was playing up to get votes because he was making it known that he was this wrestling fan and um, he was dropping in a little wrestling catchphrases. There's this great clip, I don't, probably won't remember, of this girl saying, mm. he just asked me if I could smell what he was cooking. I have no idea what he means. So he was doing these little bits to plant the seeds, maybe for what was coming, because it was clear he was a wrestling fan. Mm. And what's not particularly well known is yes he made his debut in Tough Enough but he, he started some training before he got into that and he had um, his first match in 2003 in the UPW <laughs> as well so he had started to do some of that before he got into Tough Enough in 2004 like one of the surprises with Tough Enough is he actually you know in some of the little from what I can remember of it, the little tests that they did, mm-hmm. you know, the stupid arm wrestling things, he lost most of them, mm-hmm. didn't he? But he got there, got through to the final and clearly did enough to impress WWE to take a chance on him and to sign them up. And yes, to Ross's point, where, you know, he has, they've seen something in him, but he was pretty hoaching at that oh, <laughs> when he first started the amount of Botchy's debut, they'd have been proud of it. <laughs> Considering who he was up against in that tough enough season as well, because he obviously had uh, the, the eventual winner who lasted the Royal Rumble match and then disappeared. It was the cage fighter, Daniel Puder. Yeah. And funnily enough, he was also um, in the same season as Ryan Reeves, aka Ryback. The fact that he finished fourth as well, like, what is that? What do you think that says about, you know, maybe the Miz wasn't necessarily the best in the ring but the fact he could carry himself in promos Ross yeah. do you think that was the big selling point for him and the, his his essentially his foot in the door his wrestling ability in ring wise has improved and got to a top class level in my opinion mm-hmm. from 2016 onwards but before that a lot of the Miz's feuds was based on promos and they obviously saw something here he was a character wrestler we sometimes mention 
he had a personality, he was in your face, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, depending on the hoaching gimmick, as we just yeah. mentioned. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right, Ross, because if you look at there's a lot of folk that have come through the doors of WWE who are really good technical wrestlers, mm-hmm. but no character. Mm-hmm. The Miz had nailed in the character. He'd been working on this Miz character for mm-hmm. years by that point. He was working on it when he was in the real world. Mm-hmm. So for that, when he got the chance to mm-hmm. do it on WWE, he, he, you know, he was four years into it. And it was kind of expressed point. through his attire as well, because normally you're sort of generic, technically gifted wrestlers. They mm-hmm. tend to just come in with the, the trunks and the boots and stuff. But he mm-hmm. came in with a quite a quite a three quarter lens. Yeah, an orthodox outfit. He comes in wearing shorts and leggings and My man. <laughs> yes. Short leggings right. and a bandana with the mohawk. Maybe not the leggings, he just but. he just kinda looked like he'd been kicked through a hot topic. Um, <laughs> but it, it's essentially like obviously we mentioned I know this will annoy you. Really good technical wrestlers. Roderick Strong's a really good technical wrestler, but if it wasn't for the undisputed era, he's a bit bland. People like yeah. Angelo Dawkins, they've been in NXT since 2012. When they eventually got the chance to find that character, it showed personality. So they went with it. Miz. I was, I was getting ready for a square quote. <laughs> no, no, no. Miz, Dawkins. <laughs> Miz had the personality straight away. And like, like, as AJ Styles says, wrestling's easily easy. It's the little things like character development and promo skills and how to speak to an audience. And through that reality TV, side of things he did have that it was just a case of give it time to find the wrestling yeah and sort of very early on he was drafted to the ECW. the WWE version of ECW where you know he was sort of doing a managerial role for the, those likes of Kelly Kelly and Layla mm-hmm. again we, I don't think we saw him as much in the ring as, as we'd have wanted to like he always seemed to be put in a very sort of hosting or promo type role do you think that sort of hindered him the fact that he wasn't getting as much sort of in ring time, Gary. Well, before he got to ECW, he was on SmackDown for a while. Before he got drafted, and he had he went on as pretty common, I think. Uh, somebody new comes in the roster, they go on a winning streak, and you know he got to beat the the likes of Tatanka, Funaki, Scotty Too Hotty. <laughs> before he lost his unbeaten streak, ended to the hands of the Boogeyman. So, yeah. see, looks like you. No, go ahead. Um, something that I was going to mention as well, the likes of Scott Tuhoti, Finaki and all that, it was something like 5-0, and all, but it came over like 20 weeks. <laughs> so he was, he was averaging an appearance once every five weeks and then that boogeyman feud was never ending. Oh gosh, yeah. That was a very prestigious list there you put together. I know, it's, it's proper, not quite A-list, is it? It's <laughs> <He did, yeah. laughs> <is> our list. <laughs> he did have uh, two one-on-one matches with Undertaker as well. Although one was a beat the clock challenge for the Royal Rumble in 2007. Yeah, so he, I mean, he's had like, he was sort of the, you know, the traditional sort of up and comer, you know, he was uh, being fed jobbers essentially, but then he gets put in a difficult sort of challenging feud, you know. But, well, when I say that, you just say the boogeyman, it seems a bit, you know. Yeah. He was eliminated in like seven seconds for the Royal oh, Rumble. Oh, I think that actually. But you're right, Dave, when he did go into ECW, he, it took a while, but he started to find mm-hmm. uh a, a lane for himself uh, and yes he was with the extreme expose and he was part of the Kelly Kelly Balls Mahoney love affair which was I a love that bit. Balls Mahoney or Kelly 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 Kelly's a great dude mm-hmm. lovely woman anyway uh, <laughs> but yeah, even when he went to ECW 
a lot of people don't realise he got a couple of shots at the ECW title before his John mm-hmm. Morrison feud. He actually did he not get voted? That's right, fans? yeah. The fans voted for him, so clearly there was an audience for him. Would you like to know an interesting fact, Ross? Oh, that there was a match uh, at Cyber Sunday to decide the ECW number one contender and the build-up to that match. You know who the three people were? Yeah. John Morrison, The Miz and Big Daddy, Daddy V. v. Yeah. And Big Daddy V scored a pinfall victory over our man The Miz on SmackDown. Like that if he, you know, just like you said, I watch, I watch the listeners at home can just see how smug guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 he wasn't voting. Like, no, like if someone's chapped on his door and said you've just won a million quid, here yeah. you go. But I bet you have the only person in history that's ever googled the Miz versus Viscera. I know when you said you know he was voted in for the ECW Championship match. Think, if you think about it, there were technically three heels, so do you think it was just a case of, uh, let's pick the lesser of the three? Because one was a former champion, one was just a, like, a big, big dude. Maybe um, John Morrison was the guy CM Punk defeated for the title. Big Daddy V had just came off a feud, you know, he, he carried that feud, you know, that CM Punk. He wasn't known for his technical wrestling, Big Daddy V really did carry that. <laughs> and uh, I think it was just a case of... Well, we've seen the John Morrison one, three pay-per-views, and on an ECW. We've seen Big Daddy V twice. Let's vote somebody new. Yeah, there's a couple. I think it depends, if I remember right. He won a couple of different votes over the years, so there were sort of, sort of hints that you know, the fans yeah. kind of saying, mm-hmm. we, we like this guy. It wasn't a huge majority of the ECW title one. I think it was only like... 38% or something, so it wasn't like, you know, it was a commanding majority of popularity. It was, it did seem like just the lesser of three evils. <laughs> How dare you talk about your Nelson Fraser that way, God rest his soul. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, following those sort of ECW title matches, he then moved on to a tag team with John Morrison and they won the SmackDown Tag Team Championships together. Do you think this was sort of the, the, the sort of starting point for The Miz taking off in his, in his career? People sort of thought it was John Morrison being held back because John Morrison at this point had won three tag titles with Joey Mercury, won the Intercontinental title twice and had some really good matches with Jeff Hardy. He was an ECW champion and some really good matches with Punk. Um, this before Big Daddy V carried him. And then... <laughs> so many references. <laughs> um, no, but people thought John Morrison was like the next Shawn Michaels. You know, you hear them... Royal Rumble, if you go back and watch Royal Rumble 2008, they do nothing but compare John Morrison to Shawn Michaels the entire time he's in the ring. And people were like, this Miz guy, he's not really, he wasn't in the shape he is now, he wasn't the wrestling ability he has now, he wasn't, although he was good on the mic, he wasn't as good as he is now. And people were just like, oh, he's holding him back, he's holding him back. You know, John Morrison got a really good showing against uh, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Triple H. Miz got eliminated by Hornswoggle, which kind of showed the way they viewed him at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you, you get to the top any way you can, and Miz rode those coattails to yeah, singles. That sort of began the trend of, you know, everybody just sort of talk, looks down or talks down to the Miz as if he's just nothing more yeah. than a reality TV joke or something. But, you know, obviously he's starting to win championships now. People are starting to think, uh-huh. okay, maybe we could be onto something here. Especially when... Miz and Morrison actually co-wrote and started streaming their their new sort of online segment, The Dirt Sheet. Yes. Uh, online, and this was sort of take at a time where social media wasn't, you know, this global juggernaut that it is now. So, do you think, Gary, that capitalising on this emerging social media trend with 
online segments such as the dirt sheet do you think that really not just helped the Miz out but helped the team out as a whole oh, 100% 100% it was funny it got to show a little bit the Miz I think was much more natural I think Morrison was perhaps a wee bit more wooden forced mm. in those roles the way I there was I was seen one where they were mocking Finlay for his dancing and more and, and Miz does this sort of I think it's supposed to be an Irish accent, not quite <laughs> sure what it is. Um where he, he mocked them on it. And you just started to see sort of that really you know, especially when you seen Miz when he went on his run later, he was just so annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was pro- proper good heel work going on then. I think that's when you started to see the the promise of what Miz could be but I think what Ross was saying is I think up until the team got separated most people thought the star was going to be Morrison Mm -hmm. Um, because actually if you were to ask you know draw a WWE superstar he'd Mm -hmm. have a a physique more like Morrison than what the Miz looked like at the time time, and the way he dressed and so on at that point but yeah they were certainly they showed it was a great showcase for the Miz uh, in terms of his promo skills, but good for you know WWE gets a lot of flack for not picking up on things that are going well, and they picked up on the dirt sheet and they put it on TV, mm-hmm. and you know the rest is history. I think as well these things allow people to show more character. The talk smack on the network allows people to show character. This and the likes are. Z line story allows them to show character mm-hmm. when we mentioned Street Profits earlier when they're doing the whole narration thing on the main roster it kind of seems forced it just seems like we need a break and we need you to know who these guys are so we're going to have them narrate the show mm-hmm. whereas when they're on NXT doing promos on people it shows personality there is personality there mm-hmm. and this is kind of what this was like Miz, Miz had went from that hosting narrator role to this sort of that I create a freedom role. Yeah, it kind of, I, mean, I think you said that best, you know, with the Street Profits mm-hmm. analogy there. Like, with Raw and SmackDown these days, everything just seems a bit more heavily scripted. Um, whereas, say, on like a developmental brand or on social media, like in NXT, like, everything just feels much more free flowing yes. and everybody can just sort of be themselves. And I think with the dirt sheet, it definitely helped both Miz and Morrison, considering that the show even won a Slammy award. And the Miz won Most Improved Wrestler of 2008 and 2009 back to back. So he was starting to show signs of improvement as time went on. Something as well that <clears throat> I think helped him was SmackDown, remember this time, had moved to a new network. Raw was the main show, so it was all hands on deck because they were trying to emerge and basically take the lead on TNA. Um, ECW was sort of an afterthought, so you could get away with more. ECW sort of turned into their sort of developmental brand. Yeah, it, yeah, you're right. They got away with a lot more, and at the same time, like they were getting featured every single week because they were the tag champs, and ECW only had a world championship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And ECW was taped before SmackDown, so I think SmackDown yeah. at the time might be on broadcast on Friday night, but it was taped on Tuesdays. Yeah. So you got ECW for an hour first, and then SmackDown, and they did that, and not. I, the wild card rule we all, we all hate that but but even back then they were doing the Smackdown slash ECW talent exchange crap so we got that was just an excuse to get them on both brands essentially yeah. yeah but 
At the same time, you know, they ended up sort of jumping to Raw because they won the Raw Tag Team Championships at a live event of all places yeah. as well. So it wasn't even broadcast. And this was when they sort of developed a feud uh, with the Colognes, Carlito and Primo, towards WrestleMania 25. Uh, did you think they were finally going to get their sort of WrestleMania marquee match, even though it sort of only ended up being a dark match? And it was a unification match for both tag titles as well. So do you think that kind of was a bit of a, a punch in the gut for the Miz, considering that this was going to be his first WrestleMania? I think more the fact that it was meant to be a WrestleMania match right up until WrestleMania. Things change. It's not like the WrestleManias we have now. <clears throat> on the network where it's a case of you know if something runs long it doesn't matter because fans are going to sit through Wrestlemania regardless um, it just is a shame but obviously we talked before about Miz and Morrison being seen on different levels the year before Miz was left off Wrestlemania and Morrison was in the Morrison, Money in the Bank match yeah. as the tag champ was in the Money in the Bank match and he had to defeat the Miz <laughs> to get on it as well so only one of them was going to go anyway mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting when you look back at this match there's quite a lot of star power standing outside of the ring so you could say <laughs> well, uh, it was a lumberjack match it was a lumberjack it, yeah. match you had Dolph Ziggler Goldust R-Truth Jack Swagger J- uh, Hawkins and Ryder were there Tommy Dreamer there was uh, the great Kali unfortunately not, not Viscera <laughs> um, but so you could say being in the being in the match on the pre-show is a downgrade but other folk would say, well, at least you had a match. Look yeah, at all these yeah. guys that were not even yeah. on the card. I mean, this is, they were ECW's only tag title representation. Eh, sorry, tag, sorry, title representation as the tag team champions. The ECW champion was Standing Lumberjack and Jack Swagger. Mm-hmm. What a joke. Like, and were they still, they were still ECW stars at the time when they were holding the Raw Tag Team Championships. It just, it was a big, a mess, wasn't it? And oh, that whole time was a mess. They went before they got there. They went in a feud with DX, which mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty, right. pretty good to do. And when you think back, the people they won the the, the Raw tag title off was the team of CM Punk and Kofi Kingston. Mm. <laughs> no, you say what? Well, what? <laughs> and they defeated Legacy like, to win yeah. the, those mm. titles as well. So I, I mean, you. When you do think about it, just just imagine like how crazy it was at the time. Did they not have to like? There was a SmackDown. I think DX went against Miz and Morrison. They had to re, they had to refilm a, a spot because they were doing a tables match and it didn't end the way it was supposed to. Right, is that right? Yeah, I think you're right, Dave. On paper, you would say a tag team unification match should be on. You know, that mm-hmm, should sure. be a big deal. Mm-hmm. So yes, you can make a compelling argument for it to be on the show, and I wouldn't disagree with mm-hmm. that. But on the the point I just made there to say, well, at least they were on the show. At least they got the chance mm-hmm. to be there. It's better than. Yeah. better than nothing you'd rather wrestle in front of 70,000 people than stand outside and watch people wrestle in front of 75,000 people <laughs> poor Jack Swagger at least he's doing well he's got a new venture now so that's uh, fair play to him yeah. but yeah so just sort of moving past the sort of Miz and Morrison tag team we're going to sort of move into the start of his singles run now and this is when he was drafted to Raw in mm-hmm. 2009 straight after Wrestlemania mm-hmm. and then immediately as soon as that happened he breaks up with Morrison because mm. Miz wants to break out as a single star and he immediately goes after John Cena. Do you think this was a smart move, Gary? Yes, some of it. Going after Cena was because he had this bit. Cena was out injured. He calls him out for the match. He doesn't turn up. <laughs> Obviously, Cena doesn't come out for the match. He mm. declares, declares himself the winner. He walks about with the T-shirt for a while with the Cena name, with the, the circle and the line mm. through it. Mm-hmm. 
where it falls apart is Cena appears and immediately beats them. Yeah. And then beats them again. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, he had the, the sleeve as well. It was like, like mid six, Cena zero every time he yeah. just didn't show up. So uh, do you think that was uh, a good way to sort of rile him up or make him even more of an annoying heel than he was already? I yeah. think so, yeah. There's a couple of things he did at this time that was good because he, he lost, it was one of the matches he lost to Cena, was it was it a loser leaves and he, he had to leave and then he became back as the Calgary the kid. The Calgary kid. Defeated, under the mask. Defeated 10-time OVW champion Eugene. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that was uh, when he sort of won that match against the, uh, when he was posing as Calgary kid. Uh, he actually cha- he started to change up his attire as well because he went from the shorts to the trunks and stuff and what he said during his sort of photo shoot segment was that that was that was actually his idea because nobody had ever seen him wear it before. So the fact that he changed his attire and wear a mask, he think nobody would suspect that it was mm-hmm. him. And then as he sort of transitioned, you know, with the whole not just the outfit change but also just uh, breaking out as a single star, he started pursuing the United States. Championship? Do you think? Did you ever see Ross that like, Miz would ever pursue a singles run, or do you think he'd be done after just a few tag team titles and say, "Right, thanks for your time, your your future endeavoured." See, this is running about the point I was uh, watching on occasion, and it was only really known to me as the guy that was teaming with John Morrison because I, obviously I'd watched when John Morrison and Joey Mercury were having their run, and when John Morrison got his singles run or Johnny Nitro's, he was done there. Um, so it, it just to me, he was his new tag partner and it, it just seemed like sort of a, a downgrade so when they split up it was like alright cool is this, this what happens usually when a tag team splits if the person going to Raw you usually fear for them a bit more <laughs> because Raw is like the the premiere show and Raw had John Cena Randy Orton Triple H Shawn Michaels whereas John was going to Smackdown so you're like oh god this is going to help him a bit more so the fact that he was actually featured prominently in a, a US title division that was featured the likes of Jack Swagger, MVP, Kofi Kingston, you know, William Regal was popping in and out of the US title scene at that mm-hmm. point. The fact that he was in with those guys showed they had a bit of faith in him. Yeah, it was like at Night of Champions as well when they had that six-pack challenge. Yes. And he was sort of featured amongst that and it sort of showcased all these guys who could potentially be US champion. The yeah. fact that, that he was one of them, I think it was a sort of signal to the fans that, you know, this is a guy we're interested in. He might get there, he might not, but we'll just wait and see. And when he finally did win the US title from Kofi Kingston, it was actually, well, at time of recording, it was this week, 10 years from uh, Monday. Yes. <laughs> so... And just think how much he's accomplished during that time frame. Like, mm-hmm. Gary, do you think winning the United States Championship was like the rocket strapped to his back for him and then this is this guy's the limit for him going forward? I'm not sure I would say it was a rocket strapped to his back. Uh, it was a big, certainly it was a big step forward and it was the sort of, you know, so he, the, by this point he was four years into his WWE career. Uh, it's the sort of pattern I had seen, so I was, what, mid-twenties at the time um, when this happened. So I'd seen this a few times over the years, tag teams break up. Mm. You get 
a shot at a secondary title and depending on how you do with that you can either go the way of Bret Hart or you can go the way of Marty Jannetty <laughs> uh, you get your chance of that and what happened when next <laughs> Derek Kernan's currently furiously crunching voodoo dolls of Gary and Kwaku I know, I, know. <laughs> I did suggest that we do a, a, after we do the Viscera special that we do a, a show dedicated to the barber Reality shop check. you're yeah. not getting a Viscera special Oh. <laughs> and who died and put you in charge? When my hand goes up, your mouth goes shut. <laughs> shut down to the shut down gate. But on um, on this point, what happened next with um, what happened next with the Miz certainly helped because he went on to um, have that few, sort of some mini feud again with Morrison's. With Morrison, sorry, <coughs> not Morrison's. He didn't fight the supermarket. He he he. he uh, the Bragg and Rights pay-per-view he was the Raw representative against Morrison the Intercontinental Champion on Smackdown so they had the match at Bragg and Rights and then they both team captained respective teams at Survivor Series it was those things that followed that started to show they started giving him a bit more legitimacy yeah, the fact that every winning, step he made he was winning big pay-per-view matches mm-hmm. after after matches mm-hmm. and for the Survivor Series team as well he actually still had three members including himself yeah. remaining so it wasn't even like a, a fluky when it was a, a dominant win because it was him Seamus and Drew McIntyre that mm-hmm. survived like look look what they, those three guys were at the start of their career look at them now mm-hmm. and you know you, Ross you were saying before that you know people were saying <coughs> Morrison's going to be the breakout star of the team but in both cases you know Miz ended up getting two big wins over Morrison both times do you think uh, that sort of made people think oh wait what if it's actually Miz that's going to be the breakout star of the team. I think it was more what they did when they when they like, split. If you get me, Morrison showed that, like as Gary mentioned, he was a wee bit more wooden on the dark sheet. Morrison showed that it was really Miz that it was the the character. Miz was the promo guy, and I think, as you said, you asked if the US title was a rocket strapped to his back. I think it was an opportunity, and I think just for the fact that there was a promo. The week after he wins it, he's standing outside the locker room and he mentions about being kicked out of the locker room. He goes, I don't even go in that locker room anymore. I've got my own locker room. <laughs> I've got a title. How many of the people that kicked me out of that locker room are still here? How many of them will be relevant in 10 years' time? And he just he goes through <laughs> he, he goes through them. <laughs> and then I think as well, his promo work when he's going up against Morrison, mm-hmm. because Morrison was wooden, it just made him look that much better. Yeah. And... Um, so uh, right. WWE does take a big emphasis on guys that can talk. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he went from guy who maybe looked like the lesser to guy who's actually now running rings around John Morrison, and although he's done abs like a brownie pan like John Morrison did, <laughs> he certainly got in better shape. He was a lot more muscular, so he'd improved his body. He showed he was the promo guy, and his wrestling was improving. So I think just the fact that he took every opportunity, whereas Morrison had sort of peaked, if mm-hmm. you will. And then as the turn of 2010 sort of came around, again, he will, he takes that next step up. He changes his, his theme music to that banging song by Downstate. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I, I, I could have listened to that song on repeat for forever because it's such a great tune. Um, but yeah, he continues his United States title run. He wins... The unified tag team championships with the big show they become show Miz, and he ends up carrying three championships for a fair bit like how do you think you know could he have done any more like in the position he was in gary i mean it's, that's it's a golden period in his career and actually he um 
he made the big show relevant <laughs> at the time as well because nobody thought that team would have gone gone anywhere um, yeah it was it was fantastic and the, the team of the big show uh, should in theory you know, you've got this cocky heel that talks a lot and winds people up and you mm-hmm. just want to throw and he has the big man to hide behind was that so, what it was like when Stephen visited Derek they all wanted to throttle Stephen but Derek was behind them I think sure. Derek was to throttle Stephen as well <laughs> but no it was a great a golden period in his career I think right Ross do you think the obviously every sort of step he took it was always a huge boost to his ego like did that sort of assist with his promos and the fact that he was getting more big wins more accomplishments more championships like how many other superstars can say they've carried around three belts at Lance one time Lance Storm Lance Storm show some respect <laughs> if I could be serious for a moment though um, <laughs> as Gary said a golden run in his career made Big Show relevant got a win over DX and like we mentioned before like a point we made on our Blackpool preview show for NXT TakeOver the reason we thought Grizzled Young Veterans would win the title was because it gives James Drake something to boast about for the rest of his career mm-hmm. I was the first tag team champion Zach Gibson who is and when you think about it is an annoying like meant to be deliberately annoying heel mm-hmm. now that he's the UK championship winner and the first NXT tag champ he's got something to brag about that's what Miz had Miz beat Triple H and Shawn Michaels Miz beat uh, was that no he hadn't lost the US title at this point Kofi Kingston yeah Yeah, Miz beat Kofi Kingston he was on a four month run Miz beat MVP I think he was up to six months by that point Miz beat MVP time and time again Miz beat Mark Henry while teaming with Big Show even though Big Show did all the work Miz pinned Mark Henry so you know it gave him more and more to boast about and I think it just annoyed more people because there was a kind of divide in the audience between people who liked him and people who wouldn't accept that he improved at that time period and it just it riled up those people and it got the other half that liked him on his side did you, did you see by that point Gary did you start to become a fan of the misery you still just annoyed by him I think I think it was warming to him at the time. I mean, I was thrilled when Bret Hart beat him for the US title because <laughs> um, he will always be my hero. <laughs> <laughs> Although we did vacate it like what a week later. Yeah, like the next undefeated minute. United States champion Bret Hart. Yeah. Show the man some respect. <laughs> you would go back and argue, like in the way of the Nexus, that that shouldn't have been the result. <laughs> but it was fun as a Bret Hart fan <laughs> to see it. And then our truth ended up winning it afterwards by defeating the Miz. Kwaku, so, did you uh, do you remember that? Oh, I do. Oh, I do. <laughs> it's on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> but then he lost it to the Miz again two weeks later, beginning his second run. So that that's when the uh, Truth had his heel turn, and he used to well, first of all, he used to come out to silent music. But his heel, oh, you know, his heel yeah. turn was after WrestleMania in 2011. Was it? Yeah, uh, it was still a base superstar. Have I oh, just r truthed myself? You've r yes. yourself. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's on me. <laughs> but yeah, then what happened next? You know, summer of 2010, he wins the Money in the Bank contract. Like Again, another notch in his list of accolades. He's sort of slowly climbing up the mountain. And it's again, it's not all inst- almost all instantaneous because this was, you know, a four or five year career. And the accomplishments and the, the championships were spread out evenly. It's that sort of gradual build that sort of helped. Do you think that gradual build really sort of helped him? 
It was weird though because the gradual build did help him. The team when Morrison helped him, you know, everything. He's taken every opportunity. As JR always says, maximise your minutes. Mm-hmm. He made the most of every segment, every promo, every match he had. But the weird thing I found here was the fact that Artruth won it, has it for two weeks, loses in a fatal four way the week before a pay per view called Fatal Four Way to Miz, and then loses to Miz again. Whereas the next month, um, the Miz is still champion and wins Money in the Bank. Like usually they move people on, but this I think this showed that one, we do have faith in the Miz, but two, the WWE title run is a wee bit away. And I think holding the US title was good for him because then it caught a few of Daniel Bryan, as mm-hmm. we'll obviously talk about in a minute. But um, it, that started giving him really good matches. It showed he could hold his own. I like the Miz as Mr. Money in the Bank, you know, that sort of heel, will he cash in, will he not cash in, mm-hmm. or the, the hero looks vulnerable, he's going to cash oh no, he's fine, I'm not going to cash in now. And he had Alex Riley at his side at the time A-Ride. as well. Right. Um, we'll probably talk about it later on with... Um, yeah, that there, there was a couple of mm-hmm. missed opportunities with the sidekicks. And this was the... This was sort of the time where Money in the Bank was sort of getting a lot more exposure because it had become a pay-per-view on its own mm-hmm. by that point, and he was one of the first winners of the pay-per-view concept. But in conjunction with this this epic gold rush that he was going on, he was uh, a pro in the first season of NXT, and his, his obviously his well, rookie was <laughs> Daniel Bryan, and they started developing a feud with each other even though Bryan by that point had been eliminated. And this is obviously when Michael Cole sort of aligned himself with The Miz in a way. Do you think this feud in conjunction with what he was doing on the main roster you know it sort of spread him across like multiple not just multiple promotions but multiple feuds at the same time? It showed he could make anything work it showed he could juggle multiple feuds I think that's why they gave him the Money in the Bank and the US title because he could still make the US title relevant and the Money in the Bank relevant Um, and he cut that scathing promo on Brian as well it was like um, I'm the first superstar in history to win the United States and Unified Tag Team Championship at the same time. What have you done besides eliminate yourself? Like, you know, promos like that. Do you think that was, again, another step up for Miz's sort of pursuit of becoming a top guy? Yeah, I mean, one could say this was really clever booking because it planted the seeds for a feud that lasted a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't the intention at the time. WWE probably were having a bit of fun at the expense of the smart fans as yes. they would have seen it because um, you know there's no way Miz is a better wrestler or was a better wrestler than Daniel Bryan at that time mm-hmm. Miz was a personality which Bryan at that point wasn't demonstrating mm-hmm. his personality so I think they were having a wee bit of fun mm-hmm. but also what they did is they got people that wouldn't have been talking about the Miz talking about the Miz. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if they did that by design, but certainly that's what happened, and it got a lot more eyes on Miz. And yes, we all knew what was going to happen in that feud that eventually Brian mm-hmm. was going to get the upper hand on it, and maybe then people would give Miz some respect because they would have a. The and to set up that that match they had at Night of Champions as well, Miz cuts again another really well executed promo where you know he. He obviously mentioned his real name. Is like, my name is Mike Mazanin. I was a reality TV star. You all looked down on me. You all mocked me for being a joke. I don't belong here. 
but then he sort of slowly <coughs> went back and listed all the accolades he achieved tag team championships United States championships money in the bank it sort of like it almost felt like a flashback of you know everything like wait a minute he's actually done all this stuff and we're you know maybe we should be taking a second thought of him and then obviously he has the Night of Champions match against Brian where he loses the United States Championship. Do you think that sort of helped the both of them in the long run? Considering that Miz was still holding money in the bank. Yeah, because they had to get the US title off of Miz mm -hmm. to enable him to go on to do what came next. And Brian you, got the rough... Can you imagine if he cashed in money in the bank whilst still being United States Champion? He would have done what Seth Rollins did at SummerSlam in 2015. Mm -hmm. I think as well, though, although you look back at that US title run that Daniel Bryan had it wasn't a very good run it lasted a while but it wasn't very good it made Daniel Bryan a bit more relevant because the feud lasted another month and then Daniel Bryan went nowhere but holding that US title still made him valuable to the company but then you've got um, Miz with the Money in the Bank briefcase he's dropped the title and it adds a wee bit of excitement because when he held the US title I don't think MD expected him to cash in Whereas when he drops it, it's like, is it coming now? Is it happening now? Because later that later that night, uh, I believe it's a six-pack challenge for the title. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then the next month is Hell in a Cell. You're like, oh God, when will he cash in? When will he cash in? He, he, he's waiting in the wings now and it just adds that bit of intrigue. Mm -hmm. Well, he does eventually cash in, but probably on a time nobody really expected because he made an appearance at SummerSlam that year, he made an appearance at Survivor Series, but even though he wasn't technically on the card, and then he ends up cashing in the night after against Randy Orton, after a match with Wade Barrett. So, but will, uh, and he successfully does win the WWE Championship. That is, a great, that's up there We I think, people talk about Dolph Ziggler's cash-in just because it's the night after Mania crowd and the Seth Rollins cash-in. Mm -hmm. This one gets really underlooked because it's all the Orton Cena stuff. It's all the sorry, the Orton Nexus stuff. It's all the mm -hmm. Cena Nexus stuff. You get lost in it because it's a really good match and it's it's an Attitude Era style match where everyone's interfering and mm -hmm. chairs are getting flung and referees are down. And yeah. it was actually in the overrun. Raw was in the overrun when the Miz's music hits, and as he's walking down to the ring, like the the commentators are saying. Don't go anywhere. We're, we're going for a break. We're coming back. Mrs. Cashing in. Mrs. Cashing in. And it's just, it, you come back, the match is starting. You're like, oh my, it, it's happening. It, it, it was such a dramatic yeah. time. And he wins. I was a massive Miz fan at this time. Yeah. So I loved yeah. it. Well, and you have the shot of the little kid, sorry, David, <sighs> the, the little kid, mm -hmm. the young Ronda Rousey, and the, the <laughs> Miz girl, and that was just priceless. Yeah. We'll pick up on that. Um, after a, a quick break as well, but I'm, I'm liking the enthusiasm of this uh, this cash in. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll pick that up again after a quick break. But um, as we go into the break, we'll look at another one of Mrs. More recent uh, brilliant promos that he, he carried out. And this one is, of course, the the famous talking smack promo uh, with Daniel Bryan. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Hey, this is the national treasure and the world's champion, Nick Aldis, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. There's no gentle way to say it. To me, you wrestle like a coward. You wrestle like somebody who's, I, af who's afraid to get hit. Like, I, 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 wrestle, I wrestle like, like a coward. You wrestle like a coward. 
I'm the one? If I if I were to create a wrestler who, to me, like embodies, like when I was an independent guy and I was thinking like, oh, okay, what's the soft WWE style? It would be that. WWE is transformed in the last- Hold on. You, you, had a, you, you had your chance to talk. You, you're the one that called me a coward in, in the wrestling ring. I'm the coward in the wrestling ring. Yeah. But let's talk about cowards for one second. Okay. The reason I wrestle the way I wrestle is because I can do it day in and day out all the time for 10 plus years. I have never, never in my career ever have been injured. I don't get injured for six months to a year. I am here each and every week. But you sit there and call me a coward? Yeah. I'm the coward. Wait, let me tell you about a coward. Let me tell you about a guy who tells his WWE fans, the people that he loves, that he will be back. He promises them. I promise you, I will be back in one year's time to claim this title. But you didn't, Daniel, did you? But I'm the coward. Okay, I'm the one that they, doesn't love if the they, fans. If they would let me come back, I would come back. Oh, if, if, if you, you would? Yeah. You, you would. You, you love that WWE ring. You love be wrestling. You love being right in that wrestling ring and you love wrestling, right? Well, yeah. why don't you quit? Why don't you quit and go to the bingo halls with your indie okay, friends? Okay, I think you then, need to huh? calm. No, that's, not no, this, that's not what this, this. show's we about. The GM have this. Thank you very much, Renee. This is a great show, but we're talking here. I need to talk to you real quick because the fact is you're the one that calls me the coward, but you're the one that doesn't get in the WWE ring again. No, don't you walk away from me, Daniel. Don't you walk away. I'm the one that loves the fans. I'm the one that loves everyone and everything. You're the one that gets up and walks away every single time. You're the coward. I am not a coward. I am your intercontinental champion, and there's a reason I am the title. Reason making this the most relevant, prestigious title that WWE has, and I deserve okay. the respect okay. on SmackDown Live. Get that camera right here. Get that camera right here. Understand that this is day 141 of the never any Intercontinental Championship World Tour, and I swear to you, I promise you, it will be the most relevant title on SmackDown Live. I could care less about those little kids on, on, on for the tag team titles and the Women's Championship and the WWE Championship. This is my show. My show. And I'm sick of all of you, my GM, sitting there criticizing me, calling me the coward. You're the cowards. I'm the one here, day in and day out, in that wrestling ring, beating people up. Thank you very much. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Awesome! Welcome back to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I'm David Hockney and I'm joined by Gary, Ross, and Kwaku. And we're talking about The Miz. Uh, just before we continue with the second half, just want to say a massive shout out to NWA World Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis for being the voice of this week's show. Uh, Ross, you actually did an interview with him recently. Uh, how, was, how did that go? Yeah, it was good. Uh, first part previewing uh, the new weekly show NWA Power available on YouTube, Facebook and Twitch every Tuesday 6.05 US time, 11.05 UK time. Uh, that Have you got a huge job with NWA? I do. Um, <laughs> straight out of Scarston. <laughs> what a well, joke. Anyway. Um, <laughs> was that supposed to be a joke? Yes, it, oh. definitely NWA. It was maybe a joke, but it actually came from a joke. <laughs> anyway, every <laughs> every six or five and eleven or five on Tuesdays, uh, the first twenty minutes of that interview discussing his run as NWA champion and what he hopes to bring to the brand is available on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets YouTube, 
and if you check out Anchor, iTunes, Spotify and all good Android podcasting sites you can find the full interview uh, this coming Monday <laughs> oh, you're taking my job away from me here, Ross. But uh, fair enough. We'll uh, we'll press on. Uh, we did ask. We also asked our listeners as well. Like, what are some of our favourite Miz moments and matches as well? And we reached out to the rest of our team. Uh, our main host Stevie says the Talking Smack segment with Brian, which we just heard on the break. There, that was uh, his his favourite moment. Uh, Ross, you said his match with Dolph Ziggler at No Mercy 2016 mm-hmm. should have been the headliner of the show. Completely agree. Uh, Scott said his whole run from 2016 to 2019 after he was drafted to SmackDown, his best matches being against Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins. And Sean Smith has also said the Talking Smack segment with Brian and his feud with Dolph Ziggler a couple of years ago was great too. So definitely sensing a trend here, uh, talking about his sort of uh, more, sort of more recent years with the company. And just before the break, we were talking about his Money in the Bank cash in against Randy Orton. And... You know, Ross, you were highlighting the amount of buzz it was generating. You know, it was an underrated cash-in. And CM Punk was on commentary at the time, obviously, because he was sitting out with an injury. And some of the lines he was delivering as well, it really sort of legitimised The Miz as a champion, you know, because everybody was talking about, you know, it's Wade Barrett, Randy Orton was the story. You thought John Cena being fired was the story. But then Miz, just silently waiting in the wings, comes out, cashes in, and tells everybody that he's the, the true story. He's the WWE champion. Do you think... That was sort of like the rub he needed from an established veteran like CM Punk. Uh, well, it was certainly a good few lines. It's just a shame CM Punk on his documentary and in every interview since has buried them as for completely no reason. Petty jealousy, one would think. <laughs> but um, yeah, the commentary there is amazing. The likes of Michael Cole going off his nut, uh, J- uh, Gerald Oller, who was sympathising with the faces, going, oh, it's not right, it's not right, you know. And then CM Punk just, you know, going, he is the story, he is the headline. And I think this showed as well in his title run how valuable he was to the company. Because going out and doing every interview with Conan, Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, you know, all the late night shows, doing all the not afraid to make an ass of themselves, as, you know, when he's doing the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards and MTV movie awards, you know, having a bit of laugh with himself, he's he showed himself to be so valuable and I think that's obviously why he's continued to have success in the company Yeah, he sort of became WWE's go-to guy whenever mm. they need like somebody to present at an award show, whenever they need a guy to go on these talk shows uh, Gary, do you think this was the true stepping point for saying Miz is now a top guy? Yes I mean in the years that followed, he his career hit a bit of a sticky patch. But you know, being the world champion, being the face of the company, being uh, out there in the way he was, and he's a good representative of the company. He's you know, he's a good-looking young guy with a absolutely gorgeous wife. Um, he's well-spoken. He dresses incredibly smartly. He you know he is. A perfect ambassador. He, he is, Ross said. He's funny. He's witty. He's not willing. To, he's willing to be the butt of the joke. <laughs> he, you know, it is the total package to have there. Are you following him up with him here? Because it sounds like you are. Well, <laughs> well he's, not, he's not Finn Balor. What's Mister going to say about that? <laughs> not much. Don't do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, you know, the way you just described all those qualities about him, uh, that's, I think that's the reason why so many people start became 
they sort of became fans of him. And you know, Ross, you were saying you actually became a big fan of the Miz around sort of this time as well. And that was the same. You know, wanted to have the hairstyle, wanted to dress like him. Did, did that sort of rub off on you a bit? No, I already did have the hairstyle. <laughs> <Not for long. laughs> it was a very, very weird time in my life in fifth year. Just trying new things. <laughs> Full hawk was in full glow. I will confess, I did have the danger I'm awesome, you're not. Sure. Sure. Trying new things in fifth year? Oh dear. Oh, no, I wonder where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> the most tame, the uh, most tame uh, experimental phase ever. What did you do? I had a fog. <laughs> was the McLeod household toilet paper distribution on was it on? No comment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he would, I, I really liked him at that time and you know, he was just as classic funny and out there. It was different, you know what I mean? It was it was a bit of a time where it was like the WWE title was Randy Orton, John Cena, yeah, Triple right. H, Randy Orton, and occasionally you'd get like a Batista or a Sheamus in there. Or a Wade Barrett. He didn't win the title. Well, Donovan about winning the title. Right, winning, okay. Yeah, yeah but like the title runs, then they were they were long, drawn out runs, you know, that's why the world title at the time when SmackDown was a bit more refreshing because mm-hmm. you had different people, Edge, Undertaker and all that, Holden. So th- he was a breath of fresh air, I think, and the fact that mainstream media picked up on it and they loved him. He, it just, it, there's no more we can really say on that You're point. Absolutely really, right. He was a vulnerable heel as well. He, mm-hmm. You believed that you know the, the face was going to beat him if he if he hadn't cheated, mm-hmm. then they, they would have got him. And he was a he was just different. He, um, I really enjoyed his title run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know subsequently he became a bit of cannon fodder in the the title picture, which is mm-hmm. really unfortunate for the champion. But I really enjoyed him. I thought he was mm-hmm. a yeah, good first champion. His first title defense as well was at a TLC match mm-hmm. right, but, Jerry Lawler. against Jerry Lawler. Yeah, that was the night of King of the Ring, which is the week after he won. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he went on to defeat Randy Orton. He went on to defeat the King again. Miss, the, uh, Morrison, sorry. Oh, Morrison as well. Yeah, at the start of the year. Um, and he finally got his WrestleMania main event against John Cena, and he won it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he sort of became a bit of a third wheel when it came to the the Cena Rock feud on the build up to Mania twenty eight. Mm-hmm. Did that, Gary? Do you think that really sort of damaged his title run by that point? Yeah, I think it did. And he, the Miz, says in a, an interview that I seen afterwards that you know the Rock is his epic entrance at Mania. Uh, Cena gets this epic entrance and the Miz had these inflatable letters that said awesome and the champion hit the ring first he did have some title well I I quite like the inflatable thing but he (laughs) was pretty disappointed in this era because that's when the entrances at Mania were really becoming a big thing Mm -hmm. and really at the end of the night nobody really remembers him holding the title belt they remember the Rock and Cena's altercation which then set us up for what was to what was to follow some people were dubbing it as just the Wrestlemania 28 pre-show yeah Yeah. in a perfect world he would have fought John Morrison and the Rock would have fought Cena at that Wrestlemania but unfortunately there was a lot of things wrong with that Wrestlemania and that's one of them it's a a shame though because you know people always say it's one of the worst main of all time and that was his main event but at least Uh he can go out and say I successfully defended the WWE Championship in the main event of WrestleMania because against. He against, was concussed. He did get a concussion, yeah, and that was the original uh, sort of ending for the match. He was on the outside. He hit his head off the barricade. Yep, and <coughs> they both got counted out. Like, how could you end a WrestleMania match, a main event match, in that format anyway? I mean, it was just. I think it just sort of fell flat. He was the last full-time wrestler for a good while to main event 
at WrestleMania though because mm-hmm. for the next wee while it was like bringing back part-timers like The Rock, mm-hmm. Batista, Triple H, The Undertaker. He did a couple of cool things to build up to that. Was he, he was the 50th world champion, wasn't he? No, 40th. No. 40th. 40th. 40th, thank you, because he had the t-shirt. That we all know who was him. the 50th. His good pal, Jinder Mahal. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yes! The Mahal, the Maharaja. <laughs> oh, Say something, David. Um, yeah, we're just going to move forward because this is going to be So, Stephen, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, um, he ends up losing the, the title the next month to Cena in the Steel Cage, also featuring John Morrison. And after that, he sort of went into a bit of a slump. You know, he was sort of he was losing to Alex Riley. He was he lost his money, his second Money in the Bank match, and. But then he sort of started to pick up again when he started this mega heel tag team with R-Truth mm-hmm. and they became the awesome truth. Uh, Ross, what do you make of this tag team looking back on it now? Do you know, R-Truth was in a really good heel run. I don't think he needed the Miz at this time. Miz kind of brought R-Truth in, which is weird to say considering Miz came off a year where in the one year he held the US title twice, the ta- both tag titles, counts as two tag reigns. Mm-hmm. When you look mm-hmm. him up, so he held two tag titles, two US titles, a Money in the Bank, and a WWE title, and he brought our truth down. And yeah. I think it was because he was in a slump. And then as it gets to the, it, I love The Rock and I love John Cena, but they kind of ruined everything Miz did that year. They kind of overshadowed him and overshadowed him in the main event. Yeah. And then for the weeks leading up to the Survivor Series match. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Cena easily disposed of R-Truth and The Miz on his own why did he need The Rock you know what I mean Yeah. it, it was just it was weird because there was so much hype there you know they got the match they beat Triple H and CM Punk in a, and this was in Vengeance the, this was in the midst of the summer of Punk as well so yeah. there were so many different things going on like because obviously WWE themselves were trying to hype John Cena and The Rock as much as they could on the build to that year's Wrestlemania you had Miz and R-Truth, you know, trying to be the mega heel tag team, you know, building up the Survivor Series. But at the same time, you had the outsider CM Punk essentially forcing his way into the main event picture. But you were right in saying they, they did get a, a victory over CM Punk and Triple H. I think, see, remember that time, there was just so much going on. There was Summer of Punk, there was, there was a, a bit of a refresh, you know, before the Milton Authority angles. Triple H taking over Raw was a bit refreshing. Triple H starting to wrestle on occasion mm-hmm. was better, you know. You had John Cena still being a predominant threat. You had The Rock making part-time appearances. You had, you had this over on SmackDown, you know. You had The Undertaker coming back. I, I can't. I think he was feuding with Kane. Mm-hmm. No, that was, was that not the year before? Was that the year before? Yeah. Edge, Edge, Edge in yeah, a career re- uh, renaissance. Yeah. Uh, Christian, you know, winning the world title and all that, you know. So much was going on. I think WWE just couldn't keep up with so much stuff. And unfortunately, you know, they lose to Kofi Kingston and Evan Ball. Then they, you know, they batter everybody in the Hell in a Cell and they're standing I mean, tall. The Hell in a the Cell, they didn't mm. do some cool stuff. Like the, yeah. the Hell in a Cell stuff mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The, the, the big fight that broke out, mm. the police arresting them, mm. them getting fired, the, the being brought back by Johnny Ace. There was some pretty cool stuff that happened bit, there. Yeah, there was a little bit of legitimacy. Well, uh-huh. not obviously entirely, but it added that little hint of legitimacy about him. You know, this is going against the grain of WWE being this sort of family-friendly company. You know, they've yeah. got essentially two guys acting like mercenaries or, you know, just mm-hmm. 
street thugs just coming in and ruining everything. And again, that helped build the feud to Survivor Series that year. Yeah. And again, they made event of the show as well, so it kind of they were kind of in a prominent position. But obviously, afterwards, our truth was uh, was suspended from the I think it was the the pol- wellness policy. Wellness policy. And then Miz sort of had another sort of breakout. Well, he broke off as a singles competitor again, and that's, that's when he started having more WWE title matches. He was featured in TLC that year, and then it was in the Elimination Chamber a few months after. So he was still. So, do you think he was still being treated as sort of a main event guy? having more opportunities or did he just fall flat again no he fell flat again he was um, as well see when they brought the team up this is when before 24-7 R-Truth and before US title being R-Truth at the start of the year I hated R-Truth for a while because they took the the goofy not goofy but like he's lost it he snapped and changed it to goofy oh I'm just having fun oh yeah, I see invisible people. It's fun. Little yeah, uh, yeah, and they kind of took it a bit too far, I think. The Miz was made to look like an idiot on Raw week after week by our truth, who he beats, who beats him in a a match. So Miz has to enter number one, but then our truth enters number three, and Miz eliminates him straight away. Anyway, well, that was so the Royal Rumble, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it just didn't make any sense, but. See the Elimination Chamber? He was in the last two with Punk. That's right, yeah, he was the last eliminated. And I, I believe there's like six or seven minutes where they two just go at it and there's three or four times where you bite, you think, Miz is going to win, Miz is going to win, Miz is going to win. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think it was still put prominently though. I think this was the start of the the slump period mm-hmm. because there was a, there's a good part of his career where he's just there. Yeah, like WrestleMania 28, you know, he was desperate to get on the card despite sort of main event in the year before yeah. he did get on as part of uh, Team Johnny mm-hmm. and he was the one that got the pinfall win mm-hmm. so again it was just little moments of joy even though overall he was a bit, a bit of a slump but then obviously he goes on hiatus to film the Marine Homefront mm-hmm. and then comes back to win or sort of compete in Money in the Bank he's got a fresh look he's got longer hair he wins the Intercontinental Championship for the first time at Raw 1000 remember people being really upset by that because Christian had made his comeback Christian mm-hmm. had had some injuries but it's had, Christian it's, 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 it's Christian um, yeah Christian had the world title runs and the feud with Randy Orton which were amazing he had a nice feud with Sheamus he unfortunately got injured he makes his comeback he wins the Arconetto title and we think oh maybe this is a wee bit of a resurgence for Christian yeah. and then it just sort of ends mm-hmm. yeah. with Miz winning and Miz was sort of it wasn't announced there was a WWE app poll. What title would you like to see defended at Raw 1000? Not who would you like to see defended against? Just what title? Yeah, Miz wins and he's he's annoying heel gimmick was replaced but he's perfected it now but it was like, I'm going to be in a movie and it was really just WWE plugging the mini. Yeah, well that's what they do with all their superstars in upcoming movies anyway, they just have to plug it somehow. Yeah, his face turn fell flat because he just—he was just the same. Yeah, I'm same glad you brought that up. I was uh, just one quick fact before we move on to that: is Raw 1000 when with the Intercontinental Championship? That's when he became a Grand Slam champion. Mm-hmm. I think it was the 15th or 14th Grand Slam champion overall at the time. But yeah, just sort of quickly moving on to his face turn, like Gary, that just fell. Off. I think that was the, probably the lowest point of his career. Would you not say? Yeah, I think I think that's right, Dave. And it, I mean. So unspectacular. I'm not sure there's much 
much to say about yeah, it. He, other just than un- he just unsuccessfully pursued the US and Intercontinental yeah. Championships yeah. again. No, no, he won it at uh, WrestleMania 29, he only did, yeah, to yes. lose it again. The, the but, following night, yeah. But when he reverted back, that was the only mm. saving grace. So. His... So yeah, just because he, he went off and did another marine film by that point, didn't he? Is that he? Marine 99? <laughs> With a flake. <laughs> <laughs> See, oh, you imagine if they actually called the next one that Marine 99 with a flake. <laughs> that'll, that'll be the Fast and the Furious when it reaches it. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Um, no, it should be Fast and Furious 99. <laughs> but um, there was a review of WrestleMania by Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez who talked about when Miz won the Intercontinental title on the pre-show, immediately after he won it. Uh, it started raining. It started raining, and he said that was God's tears at the fact that the Miz is now the Intercontinental champion. God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> he has a happy life, that Meltzer, doesn't he? No, no, this is Brian Alvarez. Oh, said right. oh, yes. he, he's as bad as Dave is, he's an even bigger bellend. <laughs> Uh, the views of Ross do not reflect those of they really the do. retweet. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to say yes, but <laughs> it's funny because anyway, it's true. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, he comes back from the other marine. I guess obviously he's changed his look. He's changed his demeanor again. He's claims he's now this big Hollywood A-lister. Yeah. But let's talk about one of the most enjoyable like <laughs> partnerships. I think we've seen the Miz doing it, the Miz and Damian Sandow, where Sandow is yes. his yeah. son double and. Quacky, do you want to say anything about this? Because you my just favorite, jumped out your seat there practically. My, my favourite bit was when <laughs> they, they had a tag team match against the Usos. And uh, Sander was at the side doing his whole thing off. He was taking the business bumps as well. And there was the fact that Jimmy was at the side too. And he was mimicking doing his brother's hold. So he had basically opposite people on the other teams mimicking each other what they were doing in the ring. It was just so funny to watch. I loved it. Right, Gary, it's what do you make of it? It's a great example of people just taking what they've been given and making it work. Because that, that could have bombed big style oh, yeah. and they just threw themselves into it and made something of it when they came out dressed in the same gear <laughs> doing the same moves and we had guests was it the guest hosts at the time mm. and they would fall out with the Miz and then in the background you see Santa taking the huff with them as well <laughs> it was just fantastic the only uh, it just such a disappointed finish yeah. to that because it had been building and building and building and we knew where it was going to go mm-hmm. And then when we got there, it's like, oh, really? A pre-show battle royal? This is it? And then nothing afterwards? Ross, would you say, like, this sort of stunt double gimmick ended up in the same way, like, say, Rusev Day, for example, and the fact it became so over with the crowd, and then WWE was like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to be getting this over with it. You're not supposed to love it this much. And they just sort of cut cut it off at the feet. It was... There's some things that WWE can't deny, like Becky Lynch being in the main event of WrestleMania, or Daniel Bryant being in the main event at WrestleMania. But this was one of the ones they knew, as much as we'd be outraged, we'd move on pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Because you'd just kind of, oh, that was a missed opportunity, and then move on, because we did it with Zack Ryder, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, I did love, all, as, as much as I said, Archer before the US title range recently was annoying. There was a brief period where Dolph Ziggler's stunt double was R. Ziggle, who was <laughs> R-Truth. <laughs> <laughs> that could have went they they had some fun tag matches I'd like to have seen that go a wee bit further but um, no, they, they won the tag titles you know Sandow pushes them and goes into the rumble 
um, Sandow gets blamed for costing him the tag titles and as Gary says you know they're on the pre-show at Wrestlemania even though it was the pre-show the crowd went mental yeah. when mm-hmm. the commentators go mental they're like and you think he's going to win the the, the battle, yeah. and Big Show just kind of throws him out. It, it'd be maybe more impactful if Miz ran in and threw him out. Yeah, definitely. But then you had Summer Rae started floating about the two of them because she was going to be in the next Marine. Marine <laughs> one. <wonder about. laughs> yeah, the one uh, she doesn't speak in it. Does she not? No, does she not have any fights? Doesn't say a single word in it. Wow. Jesus Christ. But um, she starts getting involved and then it turns out that she's using Miz Dow to get to Miz. Uh, Sorry, to help Miz and then all of a sudden you go to the Royal Rumble pre-show the next year and Damien Sandow pops up again and all of a sudden he's the saviour of the masses again he's got the bathrobe and the, the lilac sort of trunks on again and it's just like wow that like you can't take that gimmick seriously anymore because that was such a good gimmick it could have been a world title gimmick mm-hmm. he was money in the bank holder when he had that gimmick it was money in the bank holder and then he made the impressions and the stunt double thing work <laughs> But now you haven't done anything with that, and now it's a case of much like Braun Strowman recently, like Tyson Fury. That'll be an interesting thing to get mainstream media attention. Oh yes, <laughs> but Braun Strowman himself—it's like, yeah. With that one, if if you could go back and rebook it, you'd like just change the finish of the Battle Royal, do something that causes a wee bit of tension, so that, and then have the blow off the next night in Raw, and then you'd have been off and running with it. I mean, so that, that sort of say, that sort of saga sort of fell on its arse a bit. But you know, in the sort of months in the following year, he really. St- sorry, Ross, you want to? Sorry, say can something? I? Can I just a quick the the ex the Stone Cold sorry Royal Rumble finish where Bret Hart throws him out. Yeah. You have it's down to a couple of people. Uh, Mizdow, sorry, Miz goes to throw Mizdow out. Mizdow reverses it, throws him out. Mizdow gets everybody else out, but the referees haven't seen Miz going out. Flips him over. Miz wins. And you know that we take the feud for there. Mm. That would have been my booking. That sounds promising, yeah. Uh, but yeah, following the next sort of months and years, he started racking up the Intercontinental Championships again. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife Maurice comes back as part oh. of the roster, and he brings in the Miz Tourage as well. Do you think again this yeah. this felt like another resurgence for the Miz? I think Maurice coming back mm. was the moment that turned the page for yes, the Miz. Absolutely. And up until then, he was just there and actually in Jim Ross's podcast JR was calling for the Miz to transition to a manager role and then um, Maurice came back and that strapped the rocket ship to his back uh, he was he was off and running from then uh, everybody was gutted but I think when uh, Zack Ryder lost yes. the title the day after WrestleMania yeah. 32 mm. but looking back on it I mean for what it did for the Miz then was was fantastic because, see, he, obviously, Miz gets to the top of the ladder at WrestleMania 32 and you feel the entire arena go, not him. Oh. Like, you know, you had the, the three that were not meant to be in the match, they were Kevin Owens, Blood Mocking, they were Sin Cara, Stardust and Zack Ryder. You're like, maybe one of them, Sami Zayn, they fill the feud, Dolph Ziggler, because he was still over at the time, mm-hmm. or Kevin Owens to retain. He was the only guy in the match that were like, not please not him and then when he wins it you see it's a raw after mania crowd but the arena just deflates and (laughs) I think the best obviously you mentioned the uh, Maurice coming back he had a cracker of a match with Cesaro Mm -hmm. he then has a cracker of a fatal four way with 
really underrated. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Mm -hmm. But see, he's as much as we see, he's 2060. There was a wee stinker period where he, he misses he misses a pay-per-view because of um, filming commitments of Marine 1000. <laughs> and then... <laughs> um, he faces Darren Young. It's the oh, weirdest God. finish ever. And then he faces Apollo Crews. And that, that just kind of falls flat. It's uh, about the Ziggler time that it starts to get really, really good. Yeah, and the Ziggler feud. Sorry, Dave. No, sorry. Yeah, the Ziggler Ambrose feuds are some of his best matches. Like, you know... Uh, I think some of our listeners were saying like the Miz Ziggler match at No Mercy 2016 oh, arguably yeah. the best match of his career especially because yeah. it had the storytelling behind it it was career versus title Ziggler would have been would have left if he'd, I'm if he'd a, lost I'm a massive Dolph Ziggler I think Dolph Ziggler's one of the most underused performers in WWE right. history and there's the rule in WWE drafts or superstar shakeups that the Miz always has to move yes and mm -hmm. the Miz and Smackdown at this era uh, and Dolph Ziggler mm -hmm. they were fantastic I mean Smackdown at this era was really good when the, the fresh roster and mm -hmm. it felt like it was really vibrant and then wow. they, the and then they yeah. messed it all up with a superstar shakeup the following year yeah. but that well period was that yeah that period was really good and the feud the Ziggler uh, Miz feuds were a, mm. was a big big part of that I think so we're moving on to the sort of uh, this year and last um, again it's another sort of case of you know he's, he's continuing to grow as a top star or as a, at the very least a memorable star like because he had that reignited feud with Daniel Bryan in the summer of 2018 you know Daniel Bryan had mm -hmm. been cleared to return and they're sort of picking up where they left off from the Talking Smack promo a couple of years prior so you could see the seeds were being planted and it refers back to that promo because that's long-term unintentional long-term booking if I've ever seen it and they obviously end up having a series of matches uh, once at SummerSlam another mm -hmm. Super Showdown and then obviously the, the mixed tag match at Hell in a Cell where him and Maurice go against Bryan and Bree can be honest what? that feud was crap it was yeah we never got the finish to it that you thought which you know the, the Miz cheated at SummerSlam didn't he yeah um, then and then we never, cheats uh, Hell in a Cell yeah and then we never got the Brian comes out on top and also what was disappointed about this because when the Brian heel turn started mm -hmm. I thought we were going to get heel Brian versus yes. face Miz uh -huh. and we never got that either <laughs> seen something as well like something they could have done was like an example is what they did in ICWC when Dallas turned heel and Rudo was the face mm -hmm. it wasn't like if all the narration changed it was like the same facts were brought up but you now saw them in a different light like I told you this years ago that he was this this and this you know you could have Miz doing that like he didn't have to be a, an uber face he could have been like a bit of a tweener mm -hmm. he's just not a complete he basically he backed up his he backed yeah. up what he claims yeah exactly and then, that's a really big talking point especially in in the sort of real world of, aside from the sort of scripted world of WWE like people like it when you back up what you say and that gives that energy a bit of respect and uh, Gary I remember just what you said there about you know there was rumours of oh no I think it was at Ross you said it like there was potential of a heel Brian going against a face Miz there were a couple of instances where that could have been the case one in particular and I hate to bring this up uh, Crown Jewel from 2018 during the World Cup where <laughs> it was Miz and Ziggler in the final but then he gets injured quote unquote Shane McMahon shows in he showed his acting range there didn't he <laughs> Uh, Shane McMahon steps in, wins the the World Cup, 
well, the US Open Cup, but... <laughs> um, and, you know, there was a lot of speculation going, you know, Shane's going to have this, going to be on this big power trip and Miz is going to be the, the face that rectifies it a bit. But they end up becoming a tag team and win the tag team titles. Like, Gary, what do you make of their sort of tag team? I thought I was going to hate it, but actually I, I really liked it and I liked the the face turn that it engineered for the Miz. And... Was it WrestleMania when Shane came out on top of that match yeah. to, to prolong the feud? And they've just done the same with Kevin Owens. I know KO gets the upper hand in this one, but it's kind of like, oh, you've sacrificed the Miz. You know, if the Miz goes over at Shane at WrestleMania, he's now ready to be mm. the world champion, mm. and he never gets the victory over Shane. Yeah, and I could, I could understand. Because he falls for the cage, doesn't he? But the uh, money in the bank. The yeah, next one, oh, I yeah. could understand that. Yeah, oh, this 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 is hot, so we're going to keep mm-hmm. it going. Mm-hmm. But they kept it going too long, and yeah. in the end, they they decided to put Shane over I, and not the Miz, which just makes no sense to see, me. See, something that it made no sense, but it might have made sense if you kept it going. Look, see, after that, you know, because Miz kept getting beat down by Elias and Drew McIntyre. See if you had Roman Reigns, because he was involved in the feud with Drew come and help them but then it's like Shane McMahon saying I run this place now blah 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 and then Undertaker comes up and goes it's actually my yard mm-hmm. you know that tag team match could have then been a six man tag you get Elias the spotlight you keep yeah. Miz relevant and then you, Miz doesn't have to pin Shane McMahon but as long as he's yeah. eventually standing but tall if you think what end. happened to Miz what did Miz do after the feud with Shane finished nothing he's done nothing nothing, nothing. really and he could have been the a really champ, legitimate world yeah. champion, which everybody would have been behind. So, you know, it sort of brings up again, you know, there were rumours saying they could have had a, a heel Brian against a face Miz, but we ended up getting, obviously, the, the other option, which was a heel Shane versus a face yeah. Miz. Mm. But again, you guys were right. It's I think this was a feud that Miz should have come out on top, but Shane wins both times, and it just it just never got a really satisfying conclusion. As, as much as we say the 2012 Miz face run was a failure, I think, see when... Because we all thought, right, because they had two excellent matches with Usos, and you thought after the second one at Fastlane, you're like, Miz is going to attack him, Miz is yeah. going to attack him, Miz is going to attack him, Miz, and then Shane attacks him, and it, it's just the shock that Shane's now snapped, and all of a sudden, because Shane did have a bit of ill will that he was a bit over-featured on TV at this point, all of a sudden that turns Miz overnight into the biggest babyface because he's now he's still riding the momentum for his 2016 Smackdown run mm-hmm. but yeah in sort of more sort of recent times you know this is obviously this was sort of the first half of 2019 we're now almost at the end of it oh god how time flies um, <laughs> and in this sort of time period he's more featured on his new reality TV show uh, Miz and Mrs I don't know if you guys have seen any episodes of it, but it's on WWE Network now. Um, and basically, it's kind of like his and Maurice's version of, dare I say, it's almost like Total Divas, but it's more, or Total Bellas rather. And it's sort of focusing on their family life because by that point, Miz had just become a dad for the first time. Like, obviously they've, they've had Monroe Sky, and in real time, they've just had their second child as well, Madison which is, uh, congratulations to them, by the way. Um, do you think this is going to be the focus, the sort of main focus for Miz going forward? 
Or as family? No, no, it's, it's with the... From a TV standpoint, do you think he's going to have more association I, with Miz and Mrs? I think he will be a prominent feature because he still has been fairly regular on Raw and SmackDown. Like he's been involved in number one contenders matches and gauntlet matches and uh, beat the clock, clock challenges and all that. So he's not someone who's going to disappear from TV. He is going to have a presence for the simple fact we mentioned before he's marketable he likes doing the talk shows mm-hmm. I just hope he doesn't miss out on a, a on a world title run because yeah. he he really deserves a second world title run yeah, yeah and that was the one of the other things and a proper one mm-hmm. yes this was the one of the things he was actually brought up during the filming of Miss and Mrs is the fact that backstage you know the the bookers were saying we're going to transition you into a face character now mm-hmm. because I don't know if it's maybe just to get more publicity for Miz and Mrs. You know, people yeah. want to see uh, a protagonist rather than antagonist getting the reality show. Mm-hmm. But I honestly, I can't recommend Miz and Mrs. enough. It has, it really shows who Mike Mizanin is rather than who the Miz is, and he is actually one of the like funniest guys on TV, especially and his his relationship with Maurice shines through. He shows like how much of a cool fun daddy is and the best one of the one of the best episodes I've seen is that uh, him Dolph Ziggler and Ryan Cabrera are all on babysitting duties for yeah. Monroe but this was the same night as a Cleveland Browns game which they win and they drink a whole fridge full of beer and they have to take Monroe to like a music class the next day all with really really bad hangovers sounds like responsible parenting <laughs> yeah responsible parenting at its finest <laughs> three minutes and a baby <laughs> oh yes <laughs> For for Miz's reality show to keep going, Miz is going to need to continue to be featured yes. in WWE. So he's going to need to have a continue to have a prominent role. He has Miz TV as well. That's Miz, a prominent segment. Yeah. Miz uh, and Missy's is on the USA Network, which is what the same Raw. channel that Raw is Raw's on. So on yeah. I would suspect that he will get drafted. Yes. He will stay on Raw, and I think the reason he got drafted to Raw was as Miz and Missy's on. Is it on after Raw? I believe it's I believe on, on yeah. Tuesday. No, it's on a Tuesday. It used yeah. to be on after SmackDown. So they can mm-hmm. give it the day before push. Yeah, yeah. a bit more so. I they can miss, see miss them. on tomorrow night this time, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah but um, so yeah, there's a lot of, there's still a lot of possibilities going forward. Uh, like literally this week at time of recording, he just turned 39 years old. And, um, but just wanted just to sort of round off. Um, where do you think you know the the next few years have in store for the Miz? Because at the moment he's a an eight time Intercontinental Champion. Do you think he's going to break Chris Jericho's record? Given, Some, somebody is. <laughs> well, given obviously WWE's pettiness for breaking records for those that either file uh, lawsuits against them or go to another. I, uh, I would argue that, Jericho's got it coming. <laughs> you, you, you think that Ross? Do you think that's a possibility? What that Jericho's got it coming? At the minute, I can't see it, but for a while, he was he was the Intercontinental Champion. You know, I believe from 2016 onwards, there wasn't like it was him, someone else, him, someone else, him, someone else. There wasn't two people between yeah. each train. Um, but ah, you know what? He'll, he'll, he probably will win he'll, again. He'll I win hope, it again. There was rumors. I hope he doesn't, uh, doesn't become the focus for him. Yeah, there but, was rumors that he was going to dethrone Shinsuke Nakamura at. Clash of, oh, Clash of Champions yeah. and then win it back 
from um, well, when Nakamura win it back after him, and then Hell in a Cell he would win it again, and that's ten times straight away. But obviously, I think WWE's being coy about it. Yeah, because they know it, nobody would buy into it. Yeah, nobody yeah. would buy into it because especially you know, not in his current. Like if he if he won it after the Shane feud, makes sense. Probably. Yeah, but he's actually the second longest reigning Intercontinental Champion. Like, of all times, combined reigns, yeah. Because Pedro Morales is the only one that's topped him. If uh, if they were to do what what you were just describing there, guys, um, it would just give AEW another thing to yeah, be WWE Yeah, uh, more ammunition. Uh-huh. I don't think he'll ever be a full-time actor, because I... Uh, that was my next question, actually. Do you think he'd do a full transition to Hollywood, kind of like what John Cena and The Rock have done? I don't think he's a... No offence, I just don't... He's not a good enough actor, like, on-screen actor, that is. Maybe, maybe if he tried comedy, but you these, these action films aren't really his forte. Yeah, you think like, he's more suited to a TV type role? I mean, Big Show's got a Netflix season coming out, so if Big Show can do it, and he has, he already has Miss and Misses as well, so he's yeah, already had an established. But he could a reality star, but not an actor. I could see him do. Do you know that John Cena's hosting Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader now in the states? Mm-hmm. I could see Miz doing some sort of game show some sort of talk show type thing I could see him transition to that I don't see him being a full time actor as if he was you know he's been in enough movies now he he does do see the the real world reunions mm-hmm. but it's like the end of the season like he always hosts that and I think it's I don't know what this is but it's real world road road wild or something like I think that's like challenges for like money for ex-participants he hosts that as well so he has mm-hmm. he has already got that hosting experience. It just takes one film. Oh no, absolutely. Oh yeah, definitely. One film and he's set for life. If he, he stars in a Marvel movie, he's sorted. Yeah. Uh, how many marine movies, how many WWE movies has he been in? He's been in quite a few of them. Quite a lot, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, done, he's done four marine films. He's done Christmas Bounty, he's done Santa's Little Helper, like so two Christmas themed ones, definitely. And if you're going for wrestlers at the moment, John Cena's getting some of those parts, and he's he's doing well. Your point, Quacko's well made, because the Bumblebee movies help John Cena enormously mm-hmm. on the back of that. So it's not actually really what he's also been in. He's been in two Scooby Doo movies as well. The Miz, yeah, the Miz has as himself. That's brand new information, David. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much the extent of his. Uh, his Hollywood run. But tell you what, if he was in a Marvel movie, I think he would do just as good a job as Bradley Cooper does with uh, Rocket Raccoon. Like, could you I see think, doing that? I think he'd be good as like not the main villain, but like the annoying secondary villain. Like see the Taser face. Maybe, but no, 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 like that because he's too good looking for that. <laughs> but like, see like the annoying secondary villain that can't actually fight. So like when they eventually yeah, get, when they eventually get him alone, it, it's like one punch is shot. Yeah. and like the guy he's used like some cool catchphrase and goes I wanted to do that for ages I don't, so I think we're probably saying we don't know what the Miz is, the future holds for him but I think one of the things he's been really good at is, is taking these opportunities yes. is refining his character I wouldn't say reinvent himself but refining and evolving always, tweaking always getting better yeah, I think that's, that's been his forte for his WWE yeah. career and I really hope he gets another world title run he definitely he's definitely earned it I hope that Obviously, she's just given birth recently. Once she's uh, back on her feet and not not just given birth for Christ's sake, uh, <laughs> that the Maurice uh, Maurice comes back for a wee run with him as well. Not wrestling, but as the manager role yeah, again. Yeah. Well, there was talk on the final episode as well, like um, of the first season, that 
if it's uh, if their second child is a girl, which obviously it turned out it was, mm. he I think he said I think he was joking, but he, he said they're going to keep having babies until he has a boy. But I mean, you know, I think I'll I'll, I'll see it until I believe it. But I think I'm sure he was just joking about. It. I, I mean, it's not exactly a, a a horrible task making babies with Maurice, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh damn it again! Oh well, back to the drawing board. <laughs> Uh, but honestly, I can't recommend Miz and Mrs. enough. You should see how they sort of interact with each other. But we're, but we're agreed that you know he deserves another world title run. Oh, he sorry. could possibly be the record-breaking intercontinental champion. Mm-hmm. No, but could be. He will. I okay. think. Do you know somebody who could be? I think he's a six-time champion at the minute. Kofi Kingston. Mm-hmm. They could maybe use that for him. That continue his push. Intercontinental champion Kofi Kingston. Maybe. It'll well, be him or Kofi, it'll be yeah, one of them. Possibilities are endless, but I think we can all see Miz's career has been, up to this point at least, awesome. <laughs> and, you uh, had to get that one in there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's going to do it uh, for this week's show. So if you want to listen to more episodes like this, make sure you're subscribed to the show on Spotify, iTunes, and all good Android podcasting sites. Make sure you're following us on social media, Facebook community page, uh, Twitter and Instagram at Suplex Retweet, and be sure to check out our website as well, suplexretweet.com, for all the articles, facts about the team, and our ESSR championship saga that we've been <laughs> doing for a very, very long time now. You can say saga because my brother won the championship in Derek Kernahan, so <laughs> yeah, first time he was elated and even demanded a centre. This is his second This is second ring. Is it? Yeah. He won, he won it at uh, Extreme Rules. Oh, well, I forgot. Some <laughs> <laughs> brother, you are. <laughs> and don't forget, we also have a YouTube channel as well. Um, keep an eye on that because there's big things to come with that. And next week, we have our second anniversary show. Yes. We're doing two. <laughs> yeah, so Stevie's back in the hosting chair where we. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Stay tuned for that one because it is going to be, well, again, for lack of a better word, an awesome show. And uh, it is an audience participation quiz. So if you're going to be listening in, we're encouraging you, the listeners, to take part. You know, provide us with some questions. Uh, We've got all the details are on our community page. We've got an event page for it. So if you search for that on the community page, get involved. And, yeah, make sure you're tuned in for next week's show. Dave, do you know Stephen has blackballed one of my questions? Is that right? Yes, I put in the question for the panel is, what is your favourite Viscera match? <laughs> and Stephen said no to it. Oh. Uh, versus Kane at Backlash 2005. Oh, there you go. There you go, that's my answer. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, just thank you to my panel. Gary. Thank you, Dave. Ross. At Suplex Retweet, let us know what your favourite Viscera moment is. <laughs> and our NDED Quacker. Just right. That's at Suplex Retweet. Tell us what your favourite Viscera moment is. This has been the Miz. This has been the ESSR show on the Miz, and it has been awesome. See you next week. Stop whatever you are doing right now. You've only got one choice. This is Billy Kirkwood. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online. You should be subscribing. You should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Get on it! Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. 
No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.